Hello and welcome to the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 73. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Sinner replaces Berrettini in the ATP Finals. Italy has another player in the ATP Finals. Tata Martino needs to be out. Mexico loses to the US and Canada in back-to-back World Cup qualifier games. Tata Martino out. The Warriors defeat the Nets. Steph Curry gets MVP chance in Brooklyn. OBJ to the Rams. The Rams lose two straight games. They look way different than that team that started 7-1. We'll touch on that. And Cam Newton is back with the Panthers. It's like a movie. It's crazy. Cam Newton is back. All of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Sinner replaces Berrettini. First and foremost, I just want to say I hope Berrettini, you know, has a quick recovery. I hope everything's fine. Very unfortunate for Berrettini. I feel super bad for him. Uh, watching that match against Verev, watching that great first set, um, it was we knew we were in for a show. We knew we were going to uh, probably go the full distance. We we're going to go to a three-set decider. Third set decider, and unfortunately for Berrettini, he couldn't finish the match. And he started just breaking down. He started crying once he knew that there was something wrong with him. And obviously, I completely understand that. I completely see why he broke down. Berrettini representing Italy in Turin in the ATP Finals. First year that is being held in Italy. And, you know, hometown kid, you know, the crowd is behind him playing an amazing match against Verev, you know, just, it was just probably magical for him, playing in the ATP finals in Italy at home, probably his family was there, just people he must, he must, he must have known, just playing for your home country in such a big tournament, I can't even imagine how amazing that must have felt, how proud he was of himself, and to see it end in the second set of set competition, it's sad, and I think he, he kind of knew that that was it. He wasn't just going to retire for that match. He, he pretty much, I'm pretty sure he pretty much knew that that was it for the tournament. And although he tried to make a, he tried to make a return, he tried to play the next match, um, but he couldn't. And now, now Sinner, Sinner's uh, replacing him. Sinner already played Hurtcats, defeating him 6-2, 6-2. So thankfully for the Italians, the first replacement, the first alternate was Jonic Sinner, another fellow Italian. So although they did lose Berrettini and, you know, they were robbed of a great match against Verev, Sinner is the one that replaced him. He is Italian and he does have a chance to go to the next um, round, which would be the semifinals. He plays Medvedev. Uh, I think he needs a little bit of help. He needs to beat Medvedev, and then he needs Hercats to beat Zverev. Because I, I believe if Zverev beats Hercats, then um, John Center doesn't have a chance. So at the recording, as of right now, the um, Zverev versus Hercats is scheduled to play um, to start in approximately two and a half hours. So by the time you see this, the results might be out, and you might know... You know, that Sinner just needs to beat Medvedev or that match might be over and we have Sinner in the semifinals, which would be great for, you know, for Italy, for the for the host nation. But overall, I just want to, um, you know, wish Bertini, like, he, I hope that he has a support system. I hope there's people around him 
to console him, to make me make him feel better, to tell him that, you know, he's still young, bright future. He's probably going to be at another ATP um, finals tournament. It's still going to be in Italy. So, you know, it, it sucks that it happened, but, you know, he has a bright future. But obviously, it's it's you're in the moment. You're, you know, 25 years old. You just want to play in Italy. You just want to represent your country. But shit happens, and it's, it's just unfortunate. I feel bad for him. Um, but, yeah, now I think he's just going to root, root for Sinner. Um, I think Zverev is one of his good friends, too, so he might root for him. But obviously, Sinner is the hometown kid, too, Italian, had another great season, young player. So I'm pretty sure Italy and anyone that's at the ATP finals um, who is Italian is definitely going to root for Sinner. So we'll see how far Sinner could go. It would be great if he is able to, you know, go into the semifinals. If he has a Cinderella run, enter in makes it to the semis possibly makes it to the finals that'll be crazy too that that'll be such a storyline if the second italian that replaced another italian makes it to the knockout stages upsets medvedev or whoever comes out of that um number one seed in the other group and makes it to the finals that would just be incredible but sinner is playing some good tennis and i kind of wanted him to make it just overall ahead of like rude or uh, her cats but he, unfortunately he didn't make it but now he, he makes that as a replacement and we'll see how far he goes tata martino needs to not be the coach for mexico anymore he he should not be the coach for mexico it's evident that he's not the man for the job losing 2-0 to the u.s losing 2-1 to canada enough is enough mexico as a whole i think need more talent to come in they need a better goalkeeper. Ochoa, I love Ochoa. He came from America. America, my boyhood club. I love them. It's the first club that I tr- truly love. It's the team that got me into sports, that showed me what it feels like to really back a team, to really love a team, to even cry when they get eliminated in the playoffs because you just want your team to win so bad. That's what America taught me, and Ochoa being from America, so, you know, I'm always going to support Ochoa, but it looks like his time is up. It looks like... You know, there there needs to be young blood that comes in. So, obviously, Tata Martino can't help with that right now. He he has the players that he has. But overall, Mexico's playing very, very boring, bad. Just, it's like watching paint dry sometimes, watching the Mexican national team. They just pass the ball in the bag. You don't really see a lot of movement. The midfielder checks in, just gives it back to the defense. Another midfielder checks in, just gives it back to the defense. No one, no one grabs the ball and you know, jumps the line. You know, dribbles past the player and puts pressure on the defense. It's just a bunch of passes, meaningless passes, just going side to side. Maybe a little vertical passes, but for the most part, it's just side to side. A bunch of passes that do nothing. Go for the long ball. Try to find Chuki or someone or. Um, Corona on the sidelines and hope they do something. Raul Jimenez, he's obviously not in the form that he was before his um, tragic injury, tragic head injury. But this is where a good coach comes out. This is where a good coach brings out, you know, the best out of his players, finds a formation that yields the best results. And Tata Martino is just not doing that. The defense still looks terrible. They look out of sorts. A lot of mental mistakes, a lot of disorganized football and there's some players that just need to be held more accountable. Maybe Herrera, he's had a great career. Um, he's had some moments with Mexico, but he's not really performing either. 
But overall, just I don't I don't believe in Tata Martino. Three straight losses to the U.S. in official games. They lost the Gold Cup final. They lost the Nations League. They lost the World Cup qualifier in the U.S. Like, it's not looking good for Tata Martino. But it looks like he's gonna stay. Um, I haven't heard anything that he's out. We don't have World Cup qualifiers for another three months, I believe. So this might pass over by the time you know we get we get to the next World Cup qualifiers. We'll see how they come. But it it's looking bad for him, man. Mexico, after those two losses to Canada and the U.S., are now third in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifier. They're tied in points with Panama, and they're only ahead of them because of goal differential. And if you guys don't know, for the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, only the three the top three teams make it directly to the um, World Cup finals. And the other team, the fourth-place team, goes into a playoff spot. And... Um, Anything can happen at that point. Usually Mexico, the times they've gone to the playoffs, they get an easy draw like like New Zealand or Australia or something like that. So not to say that they're bad teams, but they don't get like a European powerhouse. I, I believe that's still the format. I, I have to double check that. But there's no reason Mexico should be going to the playoffs to the quali- to the second. Like, like they should be one of the teams that are in the top three going directly. They should be leading the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, and it just doesn't seem like Tata Martino is the man for the job. He's I'm not seeing progression, and he's been there for a while now. So, I think Tata Martino needs to go out. I I don't have I don't I can't tell you who needs to come in, but that's up to the Mexican Federation to figure out. But it just doesn't look like he's getting it done. Losing to Canada, losing to the U.S. Nothing, nothing to take away from the U.S. U.S. has definitely made some strides in these last last few years in this World Cup qualifier, um, this World Cup uh, cycle. Canada, for sure, has probably the best generation that they ever had with Davis, with other players playing in important teams um, in France, in Turkey. There's just players all over the place for Canada, so I want to give Canada some props. Obviously, want to give the U.S. props, but it just looks like Mexico it's like in a slum. They're kind of at a crossroads right now. They don't know what direction they're going. Like, do they still want to hold on to those old players like Herrera, Ochoa, Guardado, and all those, like, uh, 30-year-old Raul Jimenez? And, and Or do they want to bring in that new blood and really, like, push towards that next generation? They're kind of in this limbo where they don't know what they're doing. They don't know if they're still pushing that old, supposed-to-be golden generation or if the young players are ready to come in and you know, take the mantle and tell the old guys that, you know, they had their chance and they missed out on it. But someone needs to come in and fix this and straighten things out. Like, are we are we still all in on the old generation, which I think it's, it's past their prime. They're not going to do it. They had their chance. It's done. We need younger blood, in my opinion. But overall, Tata Martino should not continue to be the coach for Mexico. The Warriors beat the Nets 117 to 99. Steph Curry goes off for 37 points in just 29 minutes. Steph Curry gets MVP chance in Brooklyn, in Kevin Durant's home. Crazy, crazy stuff. The Warriors are amazing, you guys. The Warriors are 12-2, and two, and they look like the real deal. They should be the title favorites. They still don't have Klay Thompson back. Once he comes back, we'll see how he does. He's always going to be able to shoot. We'll, we'll be able to see if how you know how his movement is doing. If he can still defend, but even if he can't defend or he's not the same defender, that shooting should that shooting should still elevate the Warriors to another level. And they're already looking like the most complete team. 
like the team that passes the ball the best, that shares the rock, that has the best chemistry, that has players just one through ten. I'm looking at Draymond. I'm looking at Wiggins having a great season. Uh, even Kevon Looney's doing his thing. Jordan Poole, who I had uh, as a most improved player, is doing his thing. Uh, Andre Godala has been a surprising key addition. I don't know how much he had left in the tank, but he, he's been good. Gary Payton, you know, he's been dunking over everyone, being a good jail guy. Just everyone that gets minutes for the Warriors just seems to know the role, seems to know where they need to pass the ball, seems to know what cut they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be at every single time. So just want to give the Warriors credit for that. That chemistry looks like it's building. They're starting to feel like the Warriors of two, three years ago where they're just having fun. The energy's great. Anytime they show up to your town, you kind of want to watch them. They're kind of must-watch TV. You want to catch them on on the television. You want to see who they're playing. And any matchup, any matchup is kind of like, um, like the Lakers or the, like the Cowboys, where like you could put any team against them, and and the matchup sounds like enticing, like oh, Lakers Clippers or Laker Trailblazers or Cowboys versus Bucks, Cowboys versus you know Packers, Cowboys versus Chargers, Cowboys versus like Ravens, like any any decent team that gets matched up against them is like okay let's watch it we gotta watch this and that's what the warriors are becoming now they're, they're such a fun team that you just you just gotta watch them and this was hyped up this was marketed as a very key game the nets who came in with the i think the second or third best record in the east and the warriors number one in the west and they just dismantled the brooklyn nets that third quarter the warriors just pulled away and they never look back. And it's just crazy that Steph Curry is getting MVP chance in Brooklyn. Steve Nash looks like he's lost. I never really believed in Nash. I never really um, thought he was a guy. Nothing nothing to Steve Nash, but it just seems like it was too early. Like, he's not ready to be a head coach. And it's just, it was that game was so apparent. Um, Steph Curry's gravity, how much attention he gets. He was pulling up from the logo like right away and making them and once once you saw that going once you saw those shots going in you knew it was going to be a long night for the nets and sure enough it was a long night and that ball movement like i said it's crisp it's fun it's it's, it's great to see everyone touch the ball cuts steph curry you know going for charges putting his body on the line the, the prohibited mvp favorite right now he's kind of running all over day and the man is risking his body putting his body on the line just to draw a foul against like Harden who's a big guy bigger than him um it obviously if you, he tried to draw a charge against Harden and kind of got smacked on the face and then Harden fell on him so you know he's he's getting some bruises he's putting his body on the line that shows that sends a message to the rest of the team that yo MB, the Steph two-time MVP unanimous MVP going for another MVP is doing that like like obviously, I'm Toscano. I'm Gary Payton the second. Um, whoever Kaminga, dude. If the MVP, if one of the best shooters, the best shooter of all time, the guy with the most gravity ever, is doing that, dude. What? Who do I think I am? I gotta try even harder. Like what? So the Warriors just want to give them props. They're amazing. It looks like they're back. Can't wait till Clay comes back. Um, and the Nets just don't look like they're a championship team, but it might be okay. The Bucks, they just beat the Lakers today, but they don't look 
they haven't been that great, but the Bucks are missing some players. They just got um they just got uh, Middleton back, so we'll see if they are able to rise up the rankings. But the Nets, the only thing that they got going for them is that it's early in the season and the possibility that Kyrie might come back. Other than that, I don't think Steve Nash is going to, you know, just figure out how to be a great coach all of a sudden. I don't really believe in him. Um, I do think the Nets kind of got him just because he wasn't really going to bother KD or Kyrie too much. He was just kind of going to be there just to hold that position. But now that Kyrie's not there, Harden's regressing a little bit with the new rule. It just seems like KD doesn't have that much help. And he's really like looking over to over to Steve Nash and just, you know, trying to like, like, you know, like, all right, we don't have the players right now. Kyrie's gone. Harden's not Harden at the moment. Like, can you drop some some cool plays? Can you, you know, just get us some easy buckets with some nice plays? And it just doesn't look like that's coming from Steve Nash right now. So it looks a little rough for the Nets, but it's early in the season. I still believe they have a lot of talent and Harden will hopefully figure it out. KD's still balling. Um, he did get stopped this this game against the Warriors, but, you know, KD's KD. So as long as they have KD and Harden picks it up, they should be, you know, they should be all right. I don't know if you guys caught that uh, Stephen A. Smith rant. He went off on the Nets. He went off on, you know, the Nets fans, the Nets crowd. He went off on Kyrie. Um, he kind of uh, lamented KD for leaving the Warriors, and it's crazy now. KD is getting backlash for joining the Warriors. He's getting backlash for leaving the Warriors. He called he called out Kyrie saying that he doesn't love basketball. He's betraying not only KD and not only the Nets, but the sport itself. A lot of powerful stuff that Stephen A. Smith said. And I, I can't say I disagree with too much of it. Obviously, Stephen A. Smith sometimes goes into a hyperbole and sometimes screams too much and, you know, does this... But it's his persona. That's who he is. That's how he got so big. I get it. But I kind of agreed with everything he said, um, talking about the sacrifices that everyone does as a professional. Um, so I get it. I get it. I think Kyrie should be there playing. But, and it does suck for KD that he, if, if everything that Stephen A. Smith said was correct, that he, they were going to go to the Knicks. But because Kyrie stepped in and said, we're going to build this culture, they went to the Nets. If all of that is true, then uh, that would piss me off, too. Like, I would feel for KD. He wanted to, like, make something out of nothing with the Nets. He wanted to be the, the you know, the gasoline that ignited that fire within the Nets organization, just turn them around, turn them into an important franchise. And he thought, you know, once he does that, I'm get my chips, I'm going to make the Nets relevant. Whenever anyone thinks about the Nets, 20, 30 years from now, they're going to look back at this moment when KD and Kyrie joined. That's when it all changed for the Nets. That's when they became, you know, that's when they won chips. That's when they started becoming the franchise that they they are. And it doesn't look like it's happening. It doesn't look like it's happening. It doesn't look uh, like it's going to happen. Um, like when, when KD and Kyrie joined the Nets, it looked like it was inevitable that they... Uh, that they were going to win the chip. And now it's looking like, well, the Warriors look way better. They're going to get clay. Like, there's other teams in these that look way better. 
are they going to win a chip? Like, it's starting to look like, dude, is KD going to get a chip? Like, if he doesn't, that's really going to hurt his legacy. So I get where Stephen A is coming from. So I kind of agree with him. I'll, I'll, I'll say that I, I agree with him. Like I, I, like, I would be hot, too, if if I'm supporting KD, if I want KD to succeed, and I know that Kyrie swayed him to the Nets, and now he's not there. And now the Brooklyn fans are not really supporting KD. They're chanting MVP for Steph. Is That's a lot. But what do you guys think? Can the Nets turn it around? Um, is KD going to win a ring with the Nets? Because it, it, it's, it's looking tough, man. It's looking tough. OBJ is now a Ram. He got cut by the Browns. He got signed with the Rams. He got cut by the Browns. He got he signed with the Rams. Shocked everyone. Uh, most people, I, I think, from what I was reading, thought it was going to be the Chiefs or the Packers or maybe the Raiders. But Chiefs or Packers was what I was hearing the most. And when the news broke that he was going to sign with the Rams, that was the week after they traded for Vaughn Miller. That was just, it was ridiculous. It was like, man, the NFL surprises again. You don't know anything type of stuff. I was excited because I have OBJ in all four of my fantasy leagues. So I was like, okay, here we go. He's definitely going to have more value with the Rams than with the Browns. So I was excited, not just from the fantasy standpoint, but just to see how he does with the Rams. I did think McVay was going to unleash him, was going to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Some screens, some bubble screens, some end rounds, some go rounds, some slants, just to get the ball in his hands, just to, you know, especially early, just to get him, you know, feeling good, just to really move past the Browns situation. And then the next day we find out that Robert Woods is out for the season. And you're like, what? Like, what unfortunate timing, especially when everybody was talking about the three, the big three wide receivers. Um, that the Rams had just assembled with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and OBJ. It just looked like, okay, they're ready to compete with, like, the Bucks, with Mike Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Like, this is another another team that's just building that understands that you need to have weapons. You need to have one through four, tight end, two wide receivers, running back. You just need to have weapons all over the place. So I understood what the Rams were doing, going all in, and... A lot of people were saying Super Bowl. Now with Robert Woods being out, you know, it puts a little dent in that because Matthew Stafford hasn't looked that well the last two weeks. We understand that Robert Woods is a key, 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 key component to the Rams offense. He does, you know, he does everything. He can go deep. He can get those tough yards. They do a lot of screens to him, too. He's a great route runner. He's he's really developed into a great wide receiver with the Rams. So losing him really, really hurts. But at least I have OBJ, and we'll see how much we'll see how much he's able to contribute. I still have faith in OBJ. I think he still has the talent. He still has the speed. Um, his hands needs to get back into you know the rhythm of catching, rhythm of getting seven, eight targets a game. Really having the ball in his hands. He had some drops with the Browns, but I think he does have a chance to impact the Rams, and he does have the talent and the capability to fill in for Robert Woods. But the Rams are kind of struggling right now. They lost to the Niners. They lost to the Titans. Stafford is struggling. His wife is throwing food at fans. So it's it's, it's an ugly situation. We'll see how they do. I think it's the perfect time for their bye week. You know, they need to get Von Miller up to speed. They need to get OBJ up to speed. They need to fix that defense, get everyone on the right page. 
They need to fix that offensive line. It looks like teams have kind of figured out how to attack the Rams, just pressure down the middle. The Niners kind of put the blueprint for that. They're just attacking them straight down the middle. The Titans followed that same blueprint, had success. We'll see if they're able to, you know, maybe chip it with the running back, do something to help that middle pressure. Stafford needs to take better care of the football. He was the MVP favorite after like seven weeks. And now people are starting to remember his bad throws with the Lions. They're starting to question his leadership. They're trying to question how much does he really want to win if he's if he, you know, endured 12 years with the Lions. So it's quickly it's crazy how quickly a narrative can change in two weeks. It's so crazy. Cause I remember two, three weeks ago, people were saying, damn, if Stafford would have left the Lions earlier, he would have a gold jacket. He would be a Hall of Famer. But he's the MVP for a great trade, amazing trade by the Rams. They should have done this earlier. Like, everyone was just singing their praise. And now, like, people are saying, does Stafford even have that competitive fire in him? Like, why did he endure 12 years with the Lions? Like, Stafford is who we thought he was. They gave up two first-round picks for Stafford. OBJ is causing all this dilemma. Um, even attacking McVay, like, can he make everything work? Like, it's crazy how much the narrative changed in two weeks. The Rams need to turn it around. They needed that buy. They need to get their the reflectors off of them. They need to, you know, take a week to decompress and, you know, figure stuff out. But it doesn't get easy after the bye week. They pay they play the Packers next. So they they better find some solutions in this bye week. But OBJ is now a Ram player. He's now a Ram. And I wish him the best. I hope he succeeds with the Rams. Cam Newton is back with the Panthers. He scores in the first two times he touches the ball against the Cardinals. This felt like a movie. It literally felt like a movie. I was in Vegas for a day in Vegas. I was eating my brunch with some homies that had every game on the screen. And the big game on the biggest screen was the Cardinals versus the Panthers. And I look up and Cam is screaming, I'm back. And he's just, you know, doing his Cam charisma thing where you know his smile is bigger than the screen and everyone's just gravitating towards him and it's just like wow cam's back and the panther uniform just looks like it belongs on him and he looks like superman again and then he he throws a ball in the end zone nice rollout perfect placement another touchdown and you're like wow cam newton's really back and it was just ridiculous they put some graphics up saying they had like one touchdown in like the last 30 something drives. And then they had like three touchdowns in the first three drives or something crazy like that against the against the Cardinals. But you know, it's just it's crazy. Sometimes sometimes things just just pan out and you just take a step back and you realize like, wow, this is crazy, this is really happening. Especially because, you know, he he his first game ever in the NFL was against the Cardinals in Arizona. And his first, you know, game back with the Panthers is in Arizona. And he has a great game. And, wow, it looks like he's going to be the starter. <clears throat> and the cherry on top, he's gonna be, it looks like he's going to be the starter this weekend. And it's against Washington football team. And it's against his old coach, Ron Rivera. And, you know, it's crazy how stuff works out. But I'm excited for the Panthers. I had them making the playoffs before the season. Not because I thought Cam Newton was going to sign with them, but because I believed, you know, I was one of the people, the dumb believers <clears throat> in Sam Darnold. And obviously, 
that came back to bite me because he's been terrible these last few four or five weeks. And I don't think he's ever going to get his job back. I think Cam Newton is going to ball out or at least play good enough to not relinquish the job back to um, Sam Darnold. So I think he, he'll be the starter for the rest of the season. And they're alive in the NFC. They could realistically finish in sixth or seventh and make the playoffs. So I'm rooting for Cam. I, I'm rooting for Cam. It was unfortunate that he got cut by the, by the Patriots. Uh, I don't know how that would have turned out. Um, but I'm excited for Cam Newton. It looks like, you know, he's going to really revitalize that Panthers offense, who's not devoid of talent. They have some weapons. They have more. McCaffrey's back. Hubbard is a, is a you know, good complimentary back. They have Roby Anderson. They got some pieces there. So you put Cam Newton in there with his running ability, with his end zone presence. And, you know, you might have to watch out for the for the Panthers. And he, he might make my prediction for the Panthers making the playoffs come into reality. Not, not the path or not the vision that I had, but Cam Newton is back. And he's going to, I hope and I do think he's going to fix his Panthers offense. But let me know what you guys think. Like, is, is Cam Newton, you know, is it just a good story? Is it just like a good one one or two week thing where you're just, you're just pumped with, you know, nostalgia and you just want him to succeed? Like, or like, is, does he have a chance or is he washed? Because, you know, there's, there's a couple of throws where it looks like his shoulder is not good. His, his movement, his throwing mechanics are, are not there. But I don't think he's washed. I may I might be wrong twice with the Panthers quarterbacks. I believe in Sam Darnold, and now I'm believing in Cam Newton. But I just I just wish the guy the best. It looks like he enjoys playing football like a lot, especially with the Panthers. So just wish Cam Newton the best. And episode one of Man in the Arena, the Tom Brady documentary, dropped on ESPN Plus, and I do suggest that everyone that's listening to this, if you made it this far, just Go and watch that documentary. I know there's a lot of people out there that hate Brady. They hate the Patriots. They hate everything they stand for. They call Brady a cheater. Brady, with his greatness, with his seven titles, with um, all those years with the Patriots, with all those, you know, controversies and accusations against him. You know, almost every franchise, for some reason or another, doesn't like Brady. You're a Raider fan, you don't like him. You're, you're a Colts fan, you don't like him. You're a Bronco fan, you don't like him. You're a Steeler fan, you don't like him. You're a Dolphins, Jets, Bills fan, you don't like him. If you're in the NFC, if you're a Falcon, Saint, or Panther, you probably don't like him because he just showed up to your division and you know made it happen right away. That's that's almost half the the league already. If you're a Ravens fan, you probably don't like him. There's, there's a lot of teams. If you ever if you were ever good in the in the AFC. In those 20 years he was there, you probably don't like Tom Brady. So, you know, my roommate's a Raider fan. And obviously, the Raiders have that tuck rule game. So when I told him to watch it, it was kind of like, oh, I don't really like Brady. But, man, I love his sports documentaries. And he was he was down to watch it. And sure enough, even he enjoyed it. And they had, I don't want to do, I don't want to, spoiler alert, don't keep watching if you haven't watched it. But, you know, they, they did a segment on that first year that he took over for Bledsoe. And they, they showed the tuck rule, and my roommate's a Raider fan. And even him, even him as a Raider fan, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's just a really good documentary. First episode, it was greatly put. All the footage that they used, all the clips, all the audio, 
It was, it was, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I'm very excited for episode two. And, you know, one of the most shocking things to me, obviously, when he took over in uh, 2001, 2002, I was, I was a young pup. I was born in 95. Uh, I was barely six years old. I wasn't really in the football scene at that point. So, you know, I, I do know, like, most of the story about Tom Brady taking over for Bledsoe leading them to the Super Bowl, beating the Rams, beating the greatest show on turf, preventing the repeat. I do know that stuff, but I, I didn't know some of the stuff. Like, like I didn't know Drew Bledsoe finished the game for the Patriots in the AFC Championship. I, I knew Bledsoe was, you know, a franchise quarterback at the time. I knew he had gotten paid. I didn't know he was, like, the first $100 million contract. I didn't know, like, a lot of the little stuff. And it was just a great, insightful documentary that really enlightened me. And it just made me think, like, how many, like, at so many junctions, at so many crossroads, this could have gone a different way. Like, obviously, the the one that we all think about is, like, if Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, like, this 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 just happened. Like, like, and we also think, like, if the tuck road doesn't happen, does Brady happen? Does he still become the GOAT? Those are, like, the two natural ones. But now, now that I've watched this episode one, if... If Brady doesn't get injured in the AFC Championship game, does he lead them to the win? Because even he said it that he was kind of scared. He was intimidated by the Steelers. And he got hurt and he got knocked out and Bledsoe balled out. Bledsoe, you know, being a more veteran quarterback, being a $100 million man, having the composure, came in. And obviously he's 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 been to a Super Bowl before. He, you know, he's a franchise guy. He's not like on his second year. He's been a veteran. He came in and just showed that leadership, showed that grit. And McGinnis was calling, saying it like, oh, I thought we thought he won the, the job back. So we obviously saw Brady was good enough to win it in the Super Bowl. But he did say himself that he was intimidated against the Steelers. So that's one of the questions that came up to my mind. Like, what if he didn't get hurt? Did he have it in him to beat the Steelers? We'll never know. And if he didn't beat the Steelers, does he still become Tom Brady? Or is there like a full-blown quarterback competition going into the next year that Bledsoe might win? And then it also dawned on me like, okay, what if Bledsoe wouldn't have led them to a victory? That's another juncture. That's another crossroad where it's like that could have had a, a completely different, you know, outcome. And also Belichick just, I already respected Belichick. Um, you know, I've had some some of those thoughts too where I'm like, ah, oh, he's a cheater. Because, you know, a lot of that stuff happened when I was a young pup. Now nah, I'm kind of over it. It's like whatever. Like, he's a great coach. He's the greatest coach of all time. But the fact that he benched the first $100 million man, franchise quarterback, after they gave him that much money, that that's that shows a lot of that shows a lot of balls. Like he, he's holding them. So shout out to Bilicek for doing that. But it kind of reminds me of, of the Rams, kind of. Like, I think Bledsoe was, I would like to think that Bledsoe was better than Goff, but Goff got paid out, got $100 million, um, and he got to, to a Super Bowl too, and he lost that Super Bowl. Kind of like how Bledsoe got them to a Super Bowl and lost. So, you know, it, it, I, I was thinking like, oh, that would never happen in today's NBA. I mean, today's NFL, like that would never happen. Like that's crazy. Like Belich, I was giving I was giving Belichick props, and I still do. But I was giving him maybe a little too much. Like oh, no one will ever do that. 
But yeah, like it, it could happen. Like we've seen Wentz lose his job to Hurts. We've seen um, Goff, you know, get shipped down. We all kind of, like, as NFL fans, kind of saw it coming. They're like, "Bro, Goff is not the guy. Like, why are you paying him?" But the only thing is, with Goff, even even before he got paid, there was people saying like, "Oh my God, you shouldn't pay this man that much." You could tell that McVay is elevating him. He's not the guy. From what I'm hearing, it's everyone kind of knew that you should give Bledsoe the money. You should pay him. He's he's he is a franchise quarterback. So it's just do want to give just Belichick all the props in the world. Like that decision, sticking with it, like leaving Bledsoe in the bench once he was ready to come back, leaving Bledsoe in the bench in the Super Bowl once he was ready to um once he led them to the victory in the AFC championship. That's that's incredible. That's Ooh, that took me by surprise. That was just like, wow, what a moment. But overall, that documentary has been amazing. Great sound bites. McGinnis, um, I think he really shines too in that first episode. You just see the leader that he was. I always liked McGinnis from the latter years that I got to see him, even being the leader of the Browns, seeing him transition into NFL Network. He was always great on and on TV. And he showed that. He showed that on the documentary. He talked great. So overall great episode i think uh, my roommate enjoyed it too the only thing he didn't like was you know the raiders part but just overall great documentary i'm excited for you know um, episode two and it also shows the different the difference in the nfl is completely different nowadays like the, the stats that quarterbacks are putting up right now compared to back then is just night and day but God, Lee, man, Brady, he was ready. He was ready for opportunity. He took it. And I also earned a lot of respect for Bledsoe, man. That must have been gut-wrenching, just devastating. I would have been heartbroken when he confessed, saying that he cried after the Super Bowl. Like, dude, I was, I felt bad for the man. But he was always a stand-up guy. He's a great guy to Brady, as shown with all the clips, all the mentorship, all the, you know, just being a teacher for him. And not, you know, throwing throwing shade at him, not, you know, not helping him out, not turning his back on him, just being a great friend, great teammate, great person. So shout out to Drew Bledsoe for just being a great person, being a great leader. I, I, I think if Bledsoe doesn't, you know, carry himself that way, doesn't um, show that leadership, doesn't show, you know, that team first mentality, I don't think the Patriots win. I think... He has a lot of it to do. He has a lot to do with it, too. Like, once you see the guy that's making the most bucks, that's dying to get on the field, play it so cool. Play it, like, just be team first. I think that does a lot for the team. It's almost, like, along the same lines as earlier when I, like, just seeing Curry trying to go for a charge, throwing his body on the line. The sacrifice. The sacrifice that he's doing for the team. The sacrifice that Bledsoe was doing by not, not acting like a diva and not going to the media to the media and stirring up controversy, distracting the team. The sacrifice that Bledsoe did, I think that really helped unite, gel that team, just feel like a family, feel like, you know what, like we're we're bigger than our own egos and our own emotions than than our own, you know, goals. Like the team comes first. So I think Bledsoe really helped instill that into that team. So I just want to give Bledsoe like so much props and credits like what a man man just the fact that he was always there for Brady and he took it on the chin and 
and he and then when he broke down, like I said, that was that was a touching moment. So my respect for Bledsoe just went through the roof after episode one. And, you know, Brady shined a lot. Obviously, it's his documentary, but great episode one. I'm excited for episode two. If you haven't watched it and you listen to all this, obviously now you have all the spoilers, but I can guarantee you you're still gonna enjoy it. And if you did watch it, let me know what your favorite part of the episode one was because i enjoyed the whole thing but probably my favorite part was um just realizing what a great man bledsoe was that was just it was great to see it on screen it was all the clips of him coaching up um brady just being there holding the the clipboard just being a great teammate i think that's probably what i enjoyed the most from episode one but that should do it for episode 73 of the hard to handle sports podcast if you made it this far thank you so much for listening Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel to be ready for more episodes of this podcast. And make sure to tune in for the ATP finals. If I probably won't be able to upload this by then, but we do have um, Zverev versus Shurkast coming up and Medvedev versus Sinner, which is Mevita versus uh, Sinner, that's going to be a great one. But anyways, that's episode 73. Have a great rest of your day.